0: appreciate that good uh, singing today. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. And this morning, uh, the title of this morning's message, Just Can't Hide. We're talking about uh, this month refreshing, how that we all have times when in our life in January is a brand new month. Uh, we've got a brand new year. Um, you know, we've got a whole uh, 11 and a half months before us now. Uh, and uh, by and large, uh, the year is what we'll make of it, and uh, so, but sometimes, as we get through the years, and we go, especially in winters, we've had some snow, uh, and cold, and it just kind of, you know, the leaves have all fallen off the trees, and it's kind of barren and ugly outside, and the grass is gr- uh, brown, and uh, so, it, it's easy, especially this time of year, uh, it's easy to get depressed, it's easy to... I kind of get discouraged if we're not careful. Uh, and, um, but uh, with the Lord, the uh, great thing is, is that His uh, spirit uh, and His joy is never depleted, that it always is there for us to, to take advantage of and uh, to, to know in a very personal way. Uh, and so we've been talking about how we're refreshed as God's people. Uh, this month, and we began talking about how a, a refreshed new heart helps us to find uh, that, that fervor, that in the last week we talked about how uh, realizing and knowing that we're a new creation, a new person in Christ helps us uh, be refreshed, uh, and this morning I want us to see that when we find a renewed passion, that will help us to kind of rekindle and refresh Uh, our love and our heart uh, for the Lord. So let's take a look, beginning in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 2. It says, And he made uh, alive, uh, and you he made alive, who are dead in trespasses and sins, which uh, you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The Spirit uh, now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also you were once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because he of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, uh, by grace you have been saved. And raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What a marvelous reminder that Paul gives us that, hey, listen, we are not what we used to be in Christ. And one of the things that will refresh us like none other is remembering that, to remember when we get down in the doldrums and we get discouraged and thinking, oh me, oh my, how bad things are, that, hey, listen, as bad as things might be, it could be a lot worse. And as imperfect as we are, we used to be a lot worse. But by God's grace, He made us new creatures. And not only has He made us new, but uh, we find new life in Him. There was a time we used to pursue sinful, lustful passions. God created us as passionate people. A couple of weeks ago we had the college football championships and uh, you know people uh, you were passionate about their their team and you know half were happy because their teams won the other half sad because their team's lost in a couple of weeks we'll have the Super Bowl and again we'll be passionate. We'll have parties and, and and all those things are are good. I think the Lord, I think the Lord likes a good football game. But and, and in fact, I, I wish He would root for the Titans. They might win a little bit more than what they do, although they they had a pretty good year this year. Uh, but listen, if the Lord was on there, my goodness, they they go all the way again. Uh, that'd be fine with me, but you know, make a lot of other people upset. So. The Lord says he can't pick favorites, that he loves us all uh, the same. He's not a respecter of persons. I don't expect he's a respecter of football teams either. But Paul makes the point, say, listen, because you're new in Christ, these passions, the passion that God put in you, you've got to redirect it. And I wonder what would happen if the zeal that we have for our football teams, we had for the Lord and for the Lord's work. There are people that have season passes and tickets to to football games and don't ever miss one. But they don't mind missing a day of church. And sometimes I know you're sick and you need to again, you know, you will uh, you you miss church because you're sick or you work or, or something like that. There 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 are times when you just can't be here. But when we are able to be here, guess what? You ought to be in God's house. Why? Because you're God's people. And God's people love to gather with others of God's people. And uh, we'll see that in just a second. He said, listen, you used to pursue passions of this world. You used to be ruled by things of of this world. Now, there's a problem when football rules your life. If, If Alabama football or Georgia football or whoever your team is rules your life, there's a problem. Or NASCAR, or what? The only thing that ought to rule our life and have first place is God Himself and our relationship with Christ. And if anything else takes that first spot, why we've got things out of whack and we're in trouble. So Paul says, listen, you've got to redirect your passion. Passion is not a bad thing. God created us with passion. And with zeal. The problem is because of sin, our passion is kind of sent toward wrong things. And so, as Christians, and in order to kind of refresh and revitalize our Christian life, we've got to redirect our passions. And so, I think there's a few things that we find here in these 10 verses that help us to see where our passion ought to go. And the first thing is this that Paul says we need to have. A fresh passion for God's people. A fresh passion for God's people. You know what? Those that are lost do not care about God's people. And in fact, most of this world is hell-bent, if you will, on destroying God's people and God's church and God's work. They're people that, man, they spend all kinds of money and all their time working to destroy the things of God. And the truth of the matter is, all of us used to be in that camp. But by God's grace, God saved us. God found us while we were still sinners. And he made us new. He extended his love and his grace towards us. We didn't have to clean ourselves up first we didn't have to do anything in fact we can't do anything to merit god's favor and god's love but i want you to notice what paul says he says listen you once you walked you walked that way but they said god puts you together and notice the number of times he doesn't just use the you but he makes it plural Part of the reason is, is because God knows that there's strength in numbers. Part of it is because there is a bond that binds every child of God together, and that bond is not our last name. It's not our amazing good looks. It's not our, uh, it's not our address. It's the spirit of God that every child of God has. And that binds us all together because we all have it. And so Paul makes the point here to the Ephesian church and to us that, hey, listen, when God saves you, you used to divert your attention and your passion, your resources, the thing you used to be about were things of this world, and you were ruled by things of this world. But he said, now you're not ruled by those things anymore but you have been put together with the body of Christ. And so now your passion is diverted from being against God to working for God. Not only working for God, but working for God's people. And so now, Paul says, listen, you're concerned about other believers. Most of the charity that's given comes from Christians and churches. The reason is, is because Christians realize that we have been blessed by God so that we can be a blessing to others. And that we're concerned for the fate of others, even those who are lost That's why we spend our our hard-earned money on missions that we send men and women to other places around the world and across our country where there is no gospel witness that churches might be established and people would be saved. Occasionally, people will say to me, Preacher, why do we give so much to missions? We could use that right here. Well, we, we could use it. We could use every dime we've got. But we know that when we give, God takes our little bit that we give and puts it with everybody else's little bits and does amazing things through those little bits. And the truth of the matter is we do more with the, what's left after we give to God than what we could do if we hadn't have given to God to start with. It doesn't make sense to in human math terms. But God doesn't work according to human math terms. You take it to the bank. If you bless others, God will bless you. Now, it may not. It's not like these TV preachers sometimes say, listen, if you'll send me $100 in the mail, God's going to bless you with $1,000. God doesn't work that way. The only thing that does is that preacher's got $100, and you've got $100 less. It may, sometimes it does come back to us the way we give it, but sometimes it comes through other ways. But can I tell you that as a child of God, we walk with Him, we we will never have a need that He doesn't meet. He always comes through right on time. And sometimes in the most amazing and astonishing ways. But God is faithful. And so when we understand, we need to redirect our passions towards God's people. We need to be concerned about one another. We need to be concerned, not only when somebody's sick, but when they're struggling, that we help them. When they have a need that we can meet, we meet it. When we see somebody that, you know, has walked with the Lord and and been faithful, but they they seem to be wandering, and maybe they don't show up for church quite as often, and uh, maybe when we see them out in the community that there's something we can tell is off rather than writing it off as, well, that's their problem, I don't want to pry, we remember that, hey, they're my brother or sister in the Lord, and I'm responsible for them, because as we're famously reminded, we are our brother's keeper. Although we are accountable for our own actions, and God's going to hold us to account for the decisions we make, we also are responsible to help others when we can. Paul, in another one of his letters, admonishes, he said, those of you who are spiritual, restore those who are not. In other words, those of you that are walking with the Lord, when you see a brother or sister straying along, you grab them and pull them back. So notice the times in these ten verses he talks about you being put together in so when our passions are redirected to God and His people, my goodness, we find that we really are very blessed. We may not have everything we, we want, and things may not be as rosy as we think they should be, but we'll find that, man, we really are very blessed. And I hope you realize how blessed you are. I tell you, no matter how bad things are in your world today, it's a lot worse than someone else's. And with God on your side, there's no mountain that comes into your life that you can't climb over. Uh, There's no valley so deep that you can't get through it. With God's help. Because of His great love and because of His great mercy. That's just how He works. And so our passions need to be redirected towards God's people. We need to have a fresh passion for, for other believers. My goodness, if we got excited about our church family, and the Lord's work in our church and around the world as we do about Bulldog football or Roll Tide football or War Eagle football. My goodness. You see, my friend, we don't have a problem talking about our football team around the water cooler or at the restaurants or at the hairdresser's but are we so quick to talk about the Lord and what He's done for us? Or do we clam up about that? And I tell you that most of the time, all of us are guilty of clamming up. And yet the Lord says, my goodness, there is no greater story. There's no greater purpose. There's no greater hope. that which comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if we're excited and we're able to talk with others about these other things, we don't need to be afraid to talk with them about the things of the Lord. Because the truth is they really don't need to hear about how Auburn's doing. What they need to hear about is what the Lord can do in their life. So we find our opportunities to change conversations towards that. When we find that we have this fresh passion, and and by the way, our wallet follows our passion. If you're passionate about something, you spend your money on it. People who are uh, passionate about Georgia football did not care that it cost two thousand dollars or better for a football ticket to watch a game that lasted a couple hours. They didn't care. If they had it, they shelled it out, and probably the truth is some that didn't have it put it on their credit card and are still paying it off. They didn't care. Why did they do that? Because they were passionate about Georgia football game. They didn't care what they had to do to be there at that game. They were going to be there. When we're passionate about the things of the Lord, it reflects in our pocketbook. This isn't a sermon about money, but the truth is is how we spend our money tells us where our passion is. And if your passion, if your money is spent, you know, if, if it's all going out to worldly things, that's an that's where your passion is. If there, But when you say, listen, I've given to the church and I've given to help other people, and, and that, that reflects that our passion is other-centered and, and toward the Lord. But not only do we need to have a fresh passion for God's people, friends, we need to have a fresh passion for grace. The only reason any of us are here is because of God's grace. Without it, we would be lost. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, if if Christ didn't die on the cross and we still remain in our sins, we are of all men most pitiful. And that's where we would be without the grace of God. We would be in our sins. We'd be lost. But friends, can I tell you that because of God's grace, God saw our sin debt, my sin debt, your sin debt, the sin debt of all the world, and said, whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Jesus came, lived a perfect life on this earth, and then laid that life down on the cross of Calvary. So that whosoever, and that means me, and that means you, and that means whosoever, anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's grace, because the truth of the matter is I didn't deserve to be saved. I didn't deserve for Jesus to die for me. The truth of the matter is you didn't deserve Jesus to die for you either. And yet, he did. And friend, can I tell you something? That when you've experienced that grace and you're mindful of that grace, then you have to extend it. It's hard to extend grace. Now, to some people, it's kind of easy to extend grace to. Grandmas, it's easy to extend grace to those grandkids, isn't it? Man, those little grandkids can do no wrong can't say that about your own kids, though. They, they're, they're rotten little heathens. Uh, you know. But the truth of the matter is that all of us, when you have found grace and you've experienced it, you've got to show you don't have a choice. You become gracious. Because you remember that, hey, listen, just like you didn't deserve to be saved, God saved you. God showed you grace. And just like you don't deserve for God to even care about you today after you're saved, God still does. And God still does bless you and God uses you in ways that you're not worthy of, but just by His grace. And Paul says, you know what, God does it just to show off. So that when others see how God's grace has worked in your life, And how you've extended grace to others. You say, man, that's amazing. And then you're given the opportunity to say, listen, it's not because of me. It's because of what God has done for me in my life. And God gets the glory. And God gets the credit because he's the one that does give grace. And so, friends, we all stand in need every day of our life of the grace of God. And how dare we ask, expect to be able to ask God for His grace when we're not willing to give someone grace ourselves? You see, people who are, that, that never extend grace, people that, that, that are so mean, if you will, in this world, have not experienced God's grace. Because once you've experienced it, you can't help but to extend it to others. You just can't hide that grace. You can't say, listen, I'm going to keep it all to myself. No. You've got to share it with others. But the only way you can share it with others is if you first have received it. Because when you realize and you understand your your sinfulness, even after you're a child of God, when you've wandered away from the Lord and you recognize that, and you come back and you say, God, I'm sorry, and He forgives you and restores you like you would never left, that's God's grace and His mercy. And once you've experienced it and you're mindful of it, then you've got to extend it to others. And by the way, God will give you opportunity to do it, and it won't be fun. You won't want to do it. There'll be some say, man, I, I just wish they'd fire that joker. Man, I wish, you know, I'd like to get even with that numbskull. Can I tell you that's the opposite of grace? Grace may be letting somebody go ahead of you in line at the grocery store or at the Restaurant. Grace might be forgiving somebody even though they don't deserve it. Maybe they don't even ask. And yet giving them grace. There's certainly not a whole lot of grace in our world today. But it's something that this world means a whole lot more of. And they're not going to find it in politicians in Washington. They're not going to find it in clubs. They're not going to find it in activities. They're not going to find it at the bank. I tell you that the place they're going to find grace is from God's people. But if we haven't found it for ourselves, we certainly can't share it with anyone else. And so that brings us to the third thing. The first was a fresh passion for God's people. The second, a fresh passion for grace. But then a third is a fresh passion for good works. Say, wait a minute, preacher, we're not supposed to do good works. No, that's not what the Bible says. In fact, the Bible says we better do some good works. What the Bible says is that we are not saved by our good works. In fact, Paul points it out twice in these ten verses. And you know that when preachers or teachers, are in, when they repeat themselves, they're repeating themselves because they're trying to make a point. Husbands, when your wife asks you seven times in the same day, did you take out the trash? It's not because she's wondering if you took out the trash. She's reminding you, hey, dumb-dumb, take out the trash. When something's repeated, they're trying to make... and so. Twice here in these few verses, Paul says, listen, by grace, you've been saved. But then he says, because of your salvation, because you've experienced God's grace, God created you for good works. That passion that's redirected is redirected for doing good. Listen, nothing you can do can earn merit before God. And by the way, your works don't earn more favor with you. In other words, what I'm saying is if you do good work, 20 good works a day for the next week, God's not going to say, oh, let me tally that up and put that on their account, and you're going to be better than somebody that's only done five. That's not the way it works. But the way that it works is that, listen, we are reminded that we are God's workmanship. In other words, we are His masterpiece, and that really is what that word means. That God created us, and we are His most prized, valuable possession. In fact, we're so valuable that He came and gave His life so that we could have it. So God created us so that we would do good works. Not so that we could be saved, but because we are saved. Because we've experienced grace and forgiveness and new life and our passions are redirected to the things of God, that means we want to do good things. And I tell you, there's plenty of good things that we need to be doing. As God's people. I wonder how much different our spiritual life would be if we spent as much time praying and reading our Bibles as we did watching television. Or if we were as committed to the work of the Lord and helping others as we were to uh, various other activities that we do through the week. I think the world would be a lot different place. I think you probably know that too, don't you? And so friends, it's as James said it in his letter. He said, listen, there are a lot of folks that say, listen, uh, good works are, uh, works are dead. No, Paul, James says, listen, you show me your faith. I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, we don't work for our faith. We work because of our faith. We work because Jesus has saved us and made us new. Well, Aaron, what are some of the works that you're talking about? Well, some of those works might include reading our Bible and praying. Church attendance. Those are good things and good works that we ought to, as God's people, do. Can I tell you that good works might include smiling at that annoying coworker that drives you batty and extending them some grace and love? Or that wayward child that you're about to string up by their toenails? Or that black sheep of the family that you just assume chop off the family tree to show love and compassion? Maybe it's to... Send a card of encouragement to somebody. Maybe it's making a meal and taking it to someone who's lost a loved one. You know, I don't don't think it's about making a list and checking it off. Saying, listen, these are the things I've got to do to be a good Christian. You see, as a child of God, you don't need to be told what a good work is. You don't need to be told what you need to do. You know, because the Spirit of God will tell you. And lead you the, the, where the rubber meets the road, though, is, do you do it? Do you listen to the Spirit of God? And when He directs you, do you obey? You see, when our passion is where it ought to be, and we're on fire for the Lord, when the Spirit of God does ask us to do something, no matter how crazy it is or how much we don't really want to do it, we do it anyway, because God has asked us to. So notice what he said. He said, listen, these are good works that that God has created for you beforehand that you should walk in them. In other words, I think Paul is saying, listen, your faith is not something that you just sit on. We're saying about standing on the promises, not sitting on the premises. God is not concerned. Only that we know Him. Is he concerned that we know him? Absolutely, he is. But he's just as concerned that by knowing him, it affects our life. You see, if a person doesn't live any differently after they're saved than before they were saved, they probably are not really saved. But he says, listen, before if God chose these words, he pre- prepared them beforehand that you should walk in them. And so it reminds us that the Christian life is one of activity. It's not one that stands still. It's not one that dawdles. It's not one that just sits on the pew and says, oh man, look at how, man, that preacher sure did chuck some corn today. That was a good sermon. It's that we take the things of God that we learn at church and we learn in Sunday school and learn through the week as we study our Bible and we pray and we. Uh, talk with other Christians, that as God teaches us and grows us, that we walk in those new things that we've learned. And that when God gives us opportunity to serve Him, we do it. And I tell you that sometimes it might be 3.30 in the morning that God gives you an opportunity to walk in those good works. It might be on your way to work tomorrow morning. Say, well, I can't stop and help this guy. I've got to get to work. Well, maybe the good work for you that day is you stop and help this guy. And so certainly God has some works that he has prepared just for you to do. You ever stop to think about that? There are things in this world that only is God created you to do that And so you miss out, the church misses out, and the world misses out when you don't walk in those good works that God has prepared for you to do. So friends, what's the point of it all? Listen, nothing will refresh your life like redirecting the passions of your life by rekindling that passion for the Lord that once you had, that maybe has died down. But maybe you're here today and you've never had that passion to start with. You can't refresh something that hadn't been there to start with. But today, this first month of 2018, would be a good time to begin a new life with the Lord. He's already paid for your sin debt. He's already... Bought that gift of new life. All you have to do is accept it. And apply it to your life. But friends, most of us here today have done that. We've made that decision. And yet, so the point for us today might be very well to examine our passions and say, listen, am I passionate about the things of God as much as I am about anything else in my life? And if the answer is no, today is the right day and now is the right time to fix that. And the way we fix it, just like David did. Remember in Psalm 51, he prayed and said, God, forgive me. He said, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. In other words, he said, restore to me that passion that I once had for you. Is the Lord's fire burning deep inside of you? And is it red hot as it once was? If not, today would be a great time to call out to the Lord and say, Lord, restore to me the joy. Lord, give me back my passion for you. And church, for us, as our passion is refreshed and renewed, and we're kind of uh, rekindled, and our passions have been refreshed for the things of the Lord, that means that we'll take that as we leave here today and that passion will spill that inside of, that's inside of us will spill out onto other people. And as you go out to eat after church today and as you go to lunch tomorrow at work, as you go through work tomorrow or whatever you might be doing tomorrow. And I tell you that if you will look for opportunities to extend God's grace, you'll find those opportunities. And can I assure you of something, that every time you extend grace, you'll be the better for it. See, it only works with God's math, but the more you give something away, the more you receive. And can I tell you that the more grace you give away, the more grace that's going to come back to you. I absolutely will assure you that that's the case. But I can also assure you that if you've not extended any grace, chances are not much is going to come back to you. And so this week, church, let's be grace givers. Can we make sure we do good work, that we're walking in the works that God has created us for, to make a difference in His work? remembering that sometimes God will give us works that's too great for us. We'll say, oh, I can't do that, Lord. But if God brings us to something, guess what? He's going to help us accomplish it. And at the end, we'll say, man, I didn't know I could do it. And we realize that, hey, listen, I didn't do it. God did it. God helped me to do it. Remember last Sunday, we talked about David and Goliath in Sunday school. God helped a teenage boy to feed a nine-foot-tall man with the rock, the slingshot. If he can do that, anything that's in your life, he can conquer it. And we need to learn to trust him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your love and your goodness. Lord, thank you that you offer us renewal. Lord, our church stands in need of renewal and refreshing people in it, all of us here today, we need renewal. We need a time of refreshing. We need a fresh fire from you. Lord, we've talked about our passion this morning. Would you help us to examine our heart? Lord, if that passion needs to be redirected, would you help us to surrender to you to say, Lord, put it where it ought to be. And Lord, help us this week to walk in the good works that you have pre- made for us, that you've created for us to walk in. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet this week to a world that's lost and dying. Lord, they need you. Help us to not be ashamed to proclaim your grace and truth that some might come to know you. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Friend, let's stand together. We're going to sing a hymn invitation If God spoke into your heart today. Today would be a great day to make a renewed effort to say, Lord, I'm going redirect, to redirect my passions. I'm going to renew. I'm going to be a new person. I walk out of this place today. I'm, I'm going to be on fire for you. And Friend, I guarantee you, this world will be different because of it, and you'll be different because of it, and this church will be different because of it. Let's sing together.
1: Turn your eyes upon Jesus, verses 1 and 3.
0: Friends, I hope God can say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord today. Come back and join us tonight, 6 o'clock, for our evening worship. Remember, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, Bible study, uh, prayer meeting. Thursday night, WAC, uh, 7 o'clock at First Church, and um, Saturday, Youth Rally.